Hello, Rambox TV watchers. I am John Clay, your usual host. Um, as you can see, the format has somewhat transformed um, and we'll go into that momentarily. You're probably wondering who this person is to uh, screen rights, I guess. Um, this is Rob Homewood. You may say hello if you wish. Hello if I wish. Fantastic. Okay, there are other people in the room who will make themselves known as we go through the topic um, and themes of the show, The Boys. Um, and we're going to go straight into it. My first question is, brands hijacking social causes to further their own shelf life. Does anyone have anything to say on that particular riff? Dunkin' Donuts need to stop getting involved in movies completely <laughs> because I think I've seen three films recently with Dunkin' Donuts and I, I just hate it because it's so disingenuous uh, all the time. I, I don't like it. I, I understand why they've got to do it, but they seem to shoehorn it in there rather than having a really good reason as to why it's there. Okay, you've actually come from it from a, a completely, um, I did yeah, not expect that, that as a tangent. <laughs> oh, I'm Simon, would, by the way. <laughs> yeah, hi Simon. Um, yeah, I was thinking more along the lines of say, Queen Maeve being someone who is a lesbian and then outed by Homelander mm. on the show that she's on and then they're using that to promote her as a brand. Um, mm. Oh wait, Oliver's got something to say. Yeah, I was gonna say that is uh, like, hi, I'm Ollie, by the way, hey. Um, <laughs> And I've been on this podcast for five, yeah. Um, <laughs> th that is this really strange thing because um, I never really considered um, that as, I, like you mentioned that, and I, I was watching that, the, I think that was the last episode of the one before. And I was yeah. watching that going, good God, that is the most horrendous thing. Like that is so awful to do that to someone. Like it's, it's nothing that's ever crossed my mind before. And I was like, wow. And then, to go on this whole thing where they're sort of like um, coaching her relationship and then like making her girlfriend dress like a guy because people are more comfortable with it. You're like, you can't focus group that sort of thing, man. That's too much. But it, it is, I guess it's a classic example of things where, you know, the reason they always say, you know, the reason you can't stop capitalism is because if you try and do something or make any kind of social change, they market that change back to you and then you're stuck in it. So, you know, you're kind of in this endless loop, I suppose. And that, that, that's kind of a whole point of the, I suppose, the, like the show in general kind of brings that up, especially with the Christian aspect, with all the sort of like Christian festivals and stuff. Mm. Seems to come up a lot. For sure. There's, I mean, there's so much bioerasure that does go on. And it's amazing that a show actually is going to make that part of their plot. So I was quite happy to see that. Um, I heard an intake of breath from Rob, so I don't know if that's an indication that you want to say yeah, something. Yeah, I know. I, I wanted to, to kind of pose a different question, um, which is, is there a right way and a wrong way to do it? Like, could, you know, would it be okay if it was done better? Or is it just that, you know, it, it simply needs to stop? You mean outing someone on TV? No. I mean, I suppose if there's a manual, question. If, if there's a manual that needs to be written, and apparently this is the guy that's going to put it together. Um, but no, you're right. How does one actually? I mean, if you truly I'll, believe uh, in the cause, sorry, then I think that would be a good idea. But Beric, you want to say something? Sorry, no, no, I interrupted you. Carry on what you were saying. Quickly. Okay, um, it's a very short thing. But if you believe in the cause, and surely it shouldn't necessarily be something that has to be worked out in terms of how you market it if you believe in it obviously that will come across in what you're doing and what you're saying and what you're marketing which is essentially yourself if you're one of these celebrities 
Um, but that's what I have to say. Beric, I'd like to know what you're thinking. Hi, guys. I'm Beric, if you didn't notice. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I, I actually discussed this with someone recently. And there's a lot of, of brands that will take on a cause uh, that's, that's particularly in the mm. public eye and popular. Um, and we kind of came to a conclusion that it's, it's, it depends on how they back it up. So it's a case of backing up their own words. So it's, it's perfectly fine for a large brand to, to support a cause if they actually believe mm. in supporting that cause and continue to do so. Um, you know, and, that, and that doesn't mean just chuck a, chuck a nice little million with a giant pig per check on it, something like that, actually doing real work. And then I think it's perfectly fine. Whereas mm. if it's not, it is just, just pure capitalism. It is just grabbing at what's in the public eye for stealing that attention, essentially, for yourself. Sure, mm -hmm. sure. Surfing I mean, Sorry. Yeah, so sorry. One of you put your hands up first. Uh, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Uh, yeah, so um, really similar, you know, to, to what Beric has been saying as well. It's sort of, um, obviously, Queen Maeve um, being outed was obviously really a response that Homelander had to have to be able to make sure that the seven seemed inclusive because then you also had A-Train who earlier on in the episode had been kicked off but when we fast forward back to let's say today's episode where we knew it was quite clear that Stan Edgar is aware that someone like Stormfront hates um, A-Train and him but he's prepared to allow it. He is prepared to allow it. And I think there are a lot of um, corporations who are well aware of malpractice, bad practices within their groups and so forth, but they'll be quite happy to support whichever um, taste, flavour of the month it would be, be it gay, be it black, be it vegan, or whatever. It would Even veganism at some points to me, whilst I'm quite happy for anyone to do it, please don't get a celebrity and push it down my throat. Please stop. Leave me alone. Well, there's a lot of issues that we're going to definitely come up to. I'm glad you brought that up. Just the whole idea of capitalism working through literally someone's mindset as to self-perpetuate without any really any cause as to their own ethics, let alone their own ethnicity. Um, to have Stormfront a Nazi on your superhero team is just insane. Um, but let's move on. Um, how do we feel about the commentary of US teachers having weapons in school as depicted by the show? <laughs> I thought that was a genius little moment. Uh, we're doing this sort of PSA video thing. Because I think, if nothing else, like the one thing about the show, which is great, is that you realize that when you, you can take the superhero archetype, idiom, whatever, and take that kind of extreme, um, almost like straw man typed thing, and then you can use it as so many allegories. You can stick it in so many situations and use it as a sort of a foil to so many things that actually like school shootings and school violence and stuff is actually a really good one. Um, it's the one scene mm. I was watching it going, this is the one scene I've never seen in the X-Men, which should have been in the X-Men. I was like, that's a really odd thing. You know, like oh. no one's brought that up before. But yeah. didn't the Avengers do something with Captain America? Yeah, he did the hey, be safe, kids, or something. So, he did, but I don't think that was done in a particularly satirical fashion to prove a certain point. It wasn't like a Paul Verhoeven, like say, advert in Robocop. Do you know what I mean? It was a bit of fun, <laughs> nudge, nudge, you know, in universe stuff. But as Ollie's yeah. saying, <laughs> it's a bit more that you're seeing. Or here. Starship Troopers. Mm. Mm. Sure, Beric, do you have anything to say about that? No, absolutely. I mean, 
I, I thought it was interesting just their, their take on it. It's, it's almost like they're not giving a shout, kind of calling out the, the people who after school shootings often do say that teachers need to carry guns and these kind of things. And they're, you know, they're at the same time as well, questioning that, that concept of a hero is going to save you, but you need to save yourself first. Um, which yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of I find it quite interesting their their approach to that. Sure. And um, Sam, before you do your hand thing, I did hear another intake of breath from Rob before I designated that very sure. speak. The problems of being a moderator is just insane. <laughs> like being a teacher at school with no gun. Um, no, I, I just I just thought it was kind of interesting. Like it's sort of it's like a right wing dream, isn't it? Isn't it? Um, you know, and, and, and kind of from, from my perspective anyway, kind of misplaced idealism. Um, and I just thought it was interesting seeing that being kind of glorified. Yeah, it's the Second Amendment mm, running them off, isn't it? Absolutely. Simon, your hand was raised, you may speak. Oh, uh, yeah, it's only because um, I, I watched the breakdown afterwards and I did actually notice at the time that each of the phrases it was lockdown be aware and something and it spells law as well which I, I didn't think about at the time until I watched the breakdown so you can see where their agendas are going of how they're trying to push the superhero agenda into the military or for how the superheroes are going to be um, necessary within public daily life but then the, the breakdown went down further and said well look at the plane situation they were useless so what are Queen Maeve, Starlight, A-Train really going to do if there is a school shooting? Uh, that is the scariest question I think I've heard this side of the <laughs> pandemic <laughs> regarding the show. So thank <laughs> you for that, More reasons for me not to get to sleep. Um, <laughs> that's intense. It's so intense we're going to move on until some of them are Thank you, Simon. That's why you. Um, U.S. foreign policy, does anyone have anything to say regarding the show's commentary on how we can pretty much pick our enemies if we're the U.S. and tell people who to hate? There's an interesting part, I think, in, in Homelander there, in, in that regard, in the foreign policy part, where two things that he always does, like two recurring themes, because he's sort of like the 90s Republican era in a suit. Um, there's two things there that are really interesting. The one, he only cares about what Americans think about him. Like when they're saying to him, oh, you, you can save the world. He's like, I don't care about saving the world. I want to save Americans. That part, that's pretty accurate. Yeah. And then the other, you know, they're only interested when mm-hmm. it counts on the home turf. And the other thing is, um, I guess, I don't know how best to put this, like in the sense that, yeah, he's willing to pick his... He's, he's willing to create enemies in order to go to places to do things, to further his own agenda, to look good. He only cares about looking good um, and not necessarily to the world, just to, to whomever's going to, you know, keep paying his wages, which is bad, but somewhat accurate. Mm. Sorry, America. <laughs> you don't have to apologize on behalf of America, not on this show. America, go for it. Yeah, I was just going to go there. They're, it's they obviously there's they're quite obvious, but I don't know if said obviously. Um, if you've seen the show, maybe it's obvious, but um, they're kind of trail further along that line of the collateral damage thing that America hides behind, and they're um, 
uh, they, they kind of have it a bit smaller there where Homelander shoots one innocent boy through a, a through a carpet or something. There's some clothes that are drying whilst he's attacking the supervillain or the uh, uh, super terrorist. But it's kind of very close to America's behaviour of, of um, and not just America, uh, uh, our country as well, um, but the behaviour of, well, we want someone in that town, so we're going to bomb the entire town. And it doesn't matter because we've got the person, mm. all those other deaths. It's a shame, but we don't really care and it doesn't matter because we got what we wanted. And that's their kind of their end goal, which the, the soups there use as well. It was uh, just, this is like kind of unrelated to what we're talking about, but kind of connects to what you were just saying. There, there's a, a computer game called September 12th. And it's like, it was a very, I think it was a flash game, like very, 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 very small, you know, minimal interaction. But basically there's like a, you know, a, a village and there's people kind of going about and doing their thing. And then there's a terrorist. And as you move your mouse over the screen, you get like a crosshair. And so, you know, you aim over the terrorist and you click the button and the bomb goes down and it blows up the terrorist. But it also blows up a bunch of people around the terrorist. And then all the other villagers come around and they, they sort of mourn. And then two or three of those villagers then turn no. into terrorists. Fuck. And so then when you bomb those, the same thing kind of happens yeah. again. Oh, wow. And I, it, was just, it was just quite an interesting little uh, wow. sort of example of, kind of procedural rhetoric and, and uh, <laughs> kind, of, kind of interesting little, <laughs> little, little thing. Um, one, well, one thing I did want to say, though, about, about this idea of, of kind of the connection mm -hmm. to foreign policy was... Um, just noticing how it kind of changes over the over the season because and and you know I might be wrong on this but it felt like at the beginning or I can't remember if it was at the beginning of the season or if it was in the in the previous season but it was this whole thing about the super terrorist being out there and going out to get them and then it kind of gradually became more insular to the point where you know yeah. it was all about us and protecting us and they're coming to get us and they're here and we need to fight each other in order to fight them um yeah yeah there was a, a bit of that in the tail end i think of season one and they obviously built on it in this season um especially that kid or that younger gentleman i should say that kills the news agent guy because he thinks he's a terrorist um <laughs> yeah yeah oh that was really well done Really well done. And just off the, off the back of what you just mentioned there in regards to, um, I think it was mentioned in this episode where they, uh, Homelander specifically says there are no terrorists on US soil. They don't care where else they are, anywhere else. And Black Noir to go and do you know, his ops elsewhere. But as long as the US is okay, mm. he, he, had, he, he has no, he, he's not going to think outside that box at all so he just focuses on there and just another thing i just want to throw in um in regards to a, a commentary on foreign policy and utilizing superheroes that uber mentions superman red sun where superman lands in moscow or just outside moscow yeah rather than the metropolis and you can see essentially the cold war play yeah. that way that's yeah. a really interesting uh, book and film as well mm -hmm. Yeah, top points, top recommendation. Um, yeah. Just because we haven't oh, got that much time, I have to go into the next question. Um, oh, this is a heavy one. So everyone likes what I have to say. They just don't like the word Nazi. Um, Stormfront statements before the big throwdown. I just put discuss. <laughs> <laughs> Man, 
that was such a good line though because it's yeah. absolutely true you know like this is the funny thing is like you know proud boys mm-hmm. you know, let's be fair now you know like it's amazing that kind of you can say that and uh, i mean it's kind of weird in the way that like i was wondering how how much of this did they plan you know like how much satire did they plan here? I mean, I really do appreciate the fact that even though they filmed it before the pandemic, um, there were a lot of these issues that were happening anyway before the pandemic. But because now we're in that situation where people are online more, they've got more time to consider what's going on. It's, you know, it's, it's blowing up all our social media posts all the time, right? All these different, mm-hmm. like, rhetorics that are coming through. So, yeah, like, I can't wait for season three if they continue this trajectory of their... their their script writing is just so intense. Um, but yeah, anyone else got anything to say about Stormfront's uh, rather poignant reveal? Beric? Well, yeah, I would just say that it, it kind of, you know, definitely is, is a dig at, at various um, people in power and leaders who do exactly that. They, they get away with their various abuses or racism or, or right-wing, extreme right-wing views or anything like this that by either disguising it or just moving on straight away, you know, playing it off, um, uh, but often just using different wording. So you, you can, you can hide what it is in a, in a gentler word that everyone doesn't, you know, if you, if you don't say we're going to have a, a, a camp, a, ra- a camp to put people in, then no one's going to have any association. You can say it's a nice resting spot or a holding, you know, something like that. So. We're going to put children on the border between Mexico and the United States. (laughs) It's a garden fence, not a wall. Yeah, yeah. 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 How do you feel, (laughs) tangent question, how do you feel about the handling of Stormfront's character? And and you promised to come back, right? Yeah, you're not not skipping. (laughs) How do you feel about the handling of Stormfront's, um, well, racism in terms of the show? Because I think they did it really subtly and really well they could have gone really hand over, over hand over fist to this and tried to say look she's a baddie but they did it in really clever ways um any topical uh i think she i think she was um played really really well because obviously the actress is jewish as well um who was playing her so it, it was quite apparent to me that well, other than her being an amazing actor, I think she had some involvement of how she would deliver her lines. And as you say, she was subtle at the beginning, but you can see when she's having a conversation with A-Train, she says things like, you people. Um, And then it snowballs and snowballs and snowballs up to the point where she's now talking to Ryan, the the son, about white genocide uh, as well. And she seems to... But, you know, even in the, what she was saying at that point, I was like, yeah, I can understand why people would feel like that and why that guy went and shot the shopkeeper as well, because you listen to that rhetoric for so long. So, yeah, I, I think she's, she was done, played out amazing. I think there was an interesting moment with the white genocide bit when I was watching it going, one of the, because obviously there's so much allegory, but one of the interesting things about it is you've got a, a person who is supremely powerful and basically immortal like and surrounded by people and it's like yeah they're coming to kill us all and we're all in danger and it's kind of like when you take it to that extreme you realize yeah that actually is not the case it's completely the opposite and as in real life you're like well you know you can whinge about 
George Soros or you like, but he's not coming for you, man. Like you're holding all the cards, you know, like you pretend to be the victim and you're not the victim yeah. at all. Mm. You know, in this situation, which is terrifying. I always um, it, 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 it's sort of interesting um, when it comes to, you know, a statement like that of like white genocide. And it's like, I mean, with like surely with only like a modicum of perspective, it, it's easy to dispel that that statement of, of white genocide. Like, and and maybe I'm there's something I'm not seeing, but to me, like that seems awfully, you know, an awfully silly sentiment to 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 believe that there is a white genocide kind of happening. Um, and but. I kind of suspect that the way that someone kind of goes into their thinking is by their world shrinking down to a certain size where all they can, all they can see is such a small, such a small perspective around themselves. And, and then I was thinking about Homelander and that's kind of what sort of happens to him. Like, you know, at the beginning, he's just this all powerful unquestioned, you know, he can be as bad as he wants. And, you know, it ends with him, you know, <laughs> you know, um, and, and, and like his world has shrunk so small and like, you know, and his whole thing is about kind of being loved. Yeah. And he's willing, you know, he's backed into such a corner where he will, he will, you know, willingly walk into a situation where his world is so small because he's terrified of it getting even smaller and no one loving him and maybe there's maybe there's some sort of connection there i don't know it seems um, like yeah oh sorry, sorry. no no um, go for it, go for it. i was gonna say there's there's an interesting pattern there that you, that you say like was obviously you kind of run into the dual demons of of sort of cult indoctrination where you pretend everyone is an enemy and then you shrink the circle of people, which you can trust, smaller and smaller and smaller until it includes only people. But then there's also that opposite side of things where, yeah, the people in real life who end up going to, you know, falling to extremism on any side, they tend to be people who are, yeah, they, they have suffered personal loss, failure, yeah. and they feel like a victim in their own small circle and they never step back to mm -hmm. appreciate what it is, you know, the larger problems that there may be or the context. I, I think an interesting um, comparison there is the, the, I'm sorry to say it, incel movement where you get, you know, young guys who, because they've been shot down nine times, they'll never take that 10th shot and then they just blame all women and that kind of thing. Similar attitude, I think. Um, mm. Very well, much so. That's going to quickly. <laughs> no, no, you're, you're right. Um, Beric, do you have anything to say before? I want to ask a quick question. All right, go on, Simon. So I, I just want to ask a quick question. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, um, I was just going to ask. Um, so over the course when uh, Stormfront is talking about her sort of man, uh, 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 her manifesto and so forth, there were points where Homelander looked a bit concerned. Do you think he would have followed through with it if she wasn't burned alive? He is not a racist. He's a power-hungry, narcissistic mm. Superman, but he is not a racist. That being said, I think yeah. it's a little nod to us that there is a part of him which is human for us to latch onto, to see her as the ultimate villainess, right? Or villainy. Um, you don't have to gender mm. a, a certain mm. archetype there, but yeah, I think that's that's all I have to say about that. Could 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 there be could there be something in 
this idea of because he kind of is going along with her like i mean he like he doesn't really get the chance to go fully along but you kind of get the impression that that's what he's sort of going to do even if we haven't necessarily i mean maybe i'm forgetting some instance of him acting of him being you know or, or coming across as a racist it, it's not the thing that first came to mind but he was sort of kind of okay to do it and and maybe that you know like i'm you know, if you, if you look at some of the, the decisions that people in power in the world have made, you know, that have been just like outright racist, where you wouldn't even have necessarily expected it. But it's like, well, in order to be in power in whatever current climate, because my party's, you know, direction is going this way, I'll go along with it. And it relates to something that I think Maeve said, I think, no, Starlight said it, where it was something along the lines of, you know, not jumping ship. Because then if, 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 you know, someone else is going to be steering the ship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. He was going along with it. Yeah, but it becomes long. personal when his son is involved. And we'll definitely get to his relationship with his son, which <coughs> people have been talking about online as being um, this one thing that's pure about him. But I think it's just narcissism. Like, he doesn't really see his son. He just sees his son as a proxy for him to have a better idea of how he could have grown up. So I think he's willing to go along with Stormfront stuff. It's only when it becomes personal that he starts to catch himself out and think, what's going on here? I'm not sure if I want my son to be part of this white genocide bullshit. Um, but yeah, that, that's what I saw. Um, do you have anything else on that topic before I move on? Yes. But it's completely unrelated to the topic. It well, relates to what you said, though. Well, can we, can we put a pin in it? Because okay. I have to be Mr. Bastard, because I'm, I'm looking at the time on this. It's like, fuck, there's so much to talk about, and there's just no time. Um, so we're going to go into something else, which is kind of related. Um, Stan Edgar, the uh, Vault CEO, um, I just put what makes him interesting, because there's quite a few things for me, but I wanted to know from other people's point of view first. What do you like about his role in the show? Or is he just like basically the chicken man part two from <laughs> Breaking Bad? I want to know. Anyone? Oh, Beric, go on. Yeah, I th well, I think it, it, his character highlights incredibly well that kind of corporate world that people live in and, and that guides so much. And the fact that they, uh, big corporation things and things can often influence decisions, um, not necessarily out of direct beliefs with themselves or anything like that they can but they can get someone into power they can keep people in power or destroy people um purely out of greed and i think that's a lot of a lot of what we see nowadays you know there can be a lot of problems traced back to to the greed of of, of corporations or personal people but you know personal people as opposed to unpersonal people um but yeah the, that corporate structure and that capitalism that you know makes people say, we're going to do it this way because we will get the richest there. It doesn't matter if all those people get hurt or if it's wrong. It doesn't matter because we will come out on top. Sure. And he says, when it comes down to it, it's just business. Doesn't he say that to Butcher? This okay, is yeah. business. When yeah. they're having it's that not personal. Dinner. I don't care. Yeah, I, I, I'm not that fussed at all. I, I'm aware of Stormfront. I will get rid of her, but right now she serves my needs. Um, but Sorry, so I didn't mean to cut you, Barry, but I, I just wanted to follow on from it just to say that, you know, I like Stan Edgar because he, alongside the likes of Butcher, Stan, and maybe the church leader, they seem to always have one up on each other. And they have these very tense 
conversations where it's a, like a, det- a detente situation where it's like I have this, you have that. All right, want to shake hands and walk away, but we know they don't like each other <laughs> at all. And it's always playing those Batman gambits. Butch is brilliant at it, and Stan and Edgar's brilliant at it as well. For sure. Ollie, anything to say about Stan Edgar? I think the one thing that's kind of fascinating about the character is just the fact that when you step back at it and remove all the morality and the, the various ideology, ideological differences between all the characters, when you just look at it in terms of who's actually got their sh- together in this show, like who is actually on form, like this guy is like the actual Lex Luthor, but like there's no like ego, there's no um, mania, there's no drive other than just not going to jail, keeping the company going and doing his job. And those three things against, like, you've got, like, supermen, like, egotistical narcissists, psychotics, everyone. This guy is just like, yeah, yeah, cool, I planned, I'm good. Like, everyone just falls apart in the long run. And I think that's, an again, again with the allegories, it's an interesting thing in the long run that the guy who's thinking smart, playing the long game, being pragmatic, seems to do better than everybody else. And the same for, um, can we do spoilers? (laughs) <laughs> well, we have been doing spoilers. I just didn't tell yeah. you at the beginning. So, fucking... The same, <laughs> the, same with not, and the same with not AOC. The Cortez stand-in. That is like, see, now she's thinking and she's the most dangerous person in this whole show. So it's kind of an interesting thing that, like, even Homeland yeah, appeals yeah. in comparison to someone with their organisation on form, you know, like... Yeah, we'll definitely get to talking about her because you're right, when it comes to danger, like, not just politically, but power-wise, I don't know how they're going to deal with that person. Um, but you touched on something so intriguing. You're right, he is a, um, a Lex Luthor archetype, if that's right, Stan Edgar. But the one thing that he has up on Luthor is that he's not emotionally compromised in any way. He is <laughs> significantly more powerful than Homelander because of how he's played and what he's actually intending to do. There was um, a theory that Black Noir was a clone of Stan Edgar that was put in place to keep Homelander in check. Because in the comics, well, you may want to close your ears now if you don't want to spoil it. (laughs) But Black Noir in the comics is a clone of Homelander. And the reason why he's basically there is to basically keep Homelander in check if Homelander basically goes awry. Um, but yeah, that, that's quite a hectic thing. Do you have anything else to say about uh, Stan Edgar Loom people? Yeah, um, I, so he says that his motive, that his sole motive is the stock price. And mm. I thought that was like an interesting kind of sort of turn of phrase or, or, or because Surely, like, if it all goes to which with superheroes, you know, with, with injecting random people, you know, superhero juice, <laughs> like, surely you run the serious risk of there being no stock market. Um, and, but, but maybe there's something in that, because if you think about, like, you know, like, you know, the world right now, there are are decisions being made um, by corporations and, and, you know, that could lead to serious 
potential for like existential risk, like literally the death of our species. Um, again, in which case there would there will be no stock market. But maybe that's not being seen because the the need right here and now is keep the stock price high, keep the stock price high, keep the stock stock high stock price high and so maybe that's all he's thinking but it it kind of seems for someone that is so far thinking it's it almost seems quite short-sighted that is a really big point between you and simon you're just freaking me out like (laughs) (laughs) I, i was going to say that um over the course of the season we've had three or four big uh moments that have affected vault such as compound v coming out um, a couple of things that have happened over the last couple of episodes and there's always a point where the camera pans back to Edgar and he's just sitting there thinking and then he makes a decision and it seems to work for Vaughn and there seems to be no repercussion and Annie and um, Hughie are always going for one harebrained scheme to another trying to out them but Stan Edgar manages to spin it even into the last episode where they managed to spin the whole thing on Stormfront as well. And he's never phased. In the end, Compound V is going to be recalled now when only an hour before, or sorry, a day before, he was pushing for it to be out. And people are quite happy to um, well, go with it. He is, he is basically, he's got all the cards. He's playing both sides. Um, obviously that massive twist in the end means that he does potentially have someone who could be in the White House that will be able to do a lot of the things that Vought will find favorable to keep themselves going as a commenter in the military industrial complex. What I really want to know is, does he know that she is a soup? I mean, he must know because he helped her orchestrate that whole courtroom scene, right? Um, There's a lot of fucking shit in there, man. Um, (laughs) I want to move on unless anyone has (laughs) on those last few nightmarish points. No? I would just say quickly on those those points, I think it's very much that kind of idea that they have always a plan. So you say if they release compound V to everyone and there's loads of soups and maybe there'd be no stock market, well then it's likely that they've got the an antidote maybe to compound V that they're never they're not releasing yet, but then they can release at the right time to do that. Same as lots of companies Fresca. have fossil <laughs> forms. Yeah, Fresca. Yeah. <laughs> 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 lots of companies who have fossil fuels but then buy up the patents to um, renewable energy and things like that so they can release them when the time is right and the fossil fuels are completely gone. Sure. Okay. Um, we have 19 minutes. I don't know how we're going to do this. Is this other question. Um, girls do get it done. That's something that French man actually says. I've forgotten his actual name. In the comics, he's just known as Frenchy or the Frenchman. Does he have a name in this? Because he's one of the characters I have an issue with in terms of my not finding him that interesting. What is his name? Do we know? Do we care? Apparently not. I don't remember it, but I think they actually used it in either this episode or the episode before. Because I remember mm-hmm. thinking, oh, that's interesting. He has a name other than Frenchie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. From the flashback scenes. Well, well my, my whole meta commentary on him is that I can't be asked to find out his name because he just didn't really strike me as enough of a powerful character in the adaptation on screen. Anyway, um, what do we think of the action sequence with the fight between Annie Stormfront and Queen Maeve? Perhaps being a commentary on how they were going to be Girls Get It Done in the movie. Um, does anyone have anything to say on that? I've got a few things, but... What are you thinking? I mean, the straightforward the show part to is... the girls. Sorry? <laughs> Change the name of the show to the girls instead of the boys. <laughs> they were the ones having the fights. The boys were just sitting back with a bunch of guns. There was nothing. 
Um, I just find it hilarious how they have this whole narrative in this movie about these three people working together to get things done and they really don't like being around each other for various different reasons. Maybe's pretty much like the, a riff on the whole kind of Hollywood star actor who's seen enough and is just completely jaded. Um, then you've got Annie who, you know, she, she doesn't really fit in with this whole aesthetic at all now. You know, everything that she was brought up to be has been, you know, in one way or another through religion, through ethics being just out to be like just a lie. And you've got Stormfront, who is literally a 101-year-old Nazi. Um, and yet, you know, the, the, their true story is quite heroic when they're fighting that one Nazi person. Um, you know, Maeve really, did, she, she finds who she is again, just for that one moment in the show. Um, so I thought that was quite interesting. I mean, everybody wants to kick Stormfront. Yeah. <laughs> I think the, the fun part of that is that, obviously, I mean, the really obvious... Thing. there is the satire of the movie that they're doing earlier on and doing the girls get it done which is sort of like an fu to the marvel fu to the you know from from yeah. uh, is, um you know the the sort of screw off 4chan moment which was i kind of liked it i might be in the minority for that um but the thing i find kind of interesting is like you say like that in in a movie it's like yeah girls get it done we all look dramatic we all have like great hair and we're posing and you know like power and stuff and in real life it's just three girls kicking the crap out of someone on the ground because <laughs> like that's that's how fights tend to go you know like doesn't matter how you know what you know gender or sex you may be that's that's how fights tend to go like girls get it done is like yeah we just show up and put the boot in which was uh yeah, yeah. Is, i think it's an interesting sort of like play because you you did the twist on like the sort of like the the satire and then the satire of the satire again you know like uh double double mm. four satires if you will very um, much so um i just want to say right here right now elephant in the room is that we did try and get more representation on this panel in terms of gender but we have failed, um, such is the way of life. This will at some point be a contention for some of our viewers who are normally used to seeing more of a, uh, say, binary output. But yeah, I just want to make sure that people know that we actually did go health level on that and have come up with 4-0 in terms of that bias. So sorry. Um, anybody else have anything to say on that particular scene or the themes inherent therein? I have a question, um, which is kind of out to the more comic booky people why is it called the boys like i, I mean I, it's a boys club and there's all these things but i'm i'm curious in the comics which were obviously written before were the 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 sort of social justice themes as strong like i know, would say okay because the name came from the comics yeah three things one it's really yeah. important to know the comic book industry is full of charlatans and shysters and evil fuckers um and the boys was very good at satirizing mm -hmm. that industry they couldn't obviously this mm -hmm. is part two they couldn't obviously make that as the format of the show because let's face it what maybe one in five people that go and see a Marvel movie have picked up a comic before, let alone seen it as part yeah. of their life. So how could they make money or make a, a good commentary in this show? So they're obviously taking celebrities and the corporate world and putting that in the crosshairs. Um, three, mm -hmm. I would say, and it's been some time since I've read the comics, that The Boys is a commentary on what happens when um, men are in charge and let toxic max masculinity and lots of other different uh, social uh, idioms that were unchecked go into play. 
Jim Butcher being the obvious one. Like we've seen his backstory via his interaction with his father. He's not a particularly sane person. Um, especially that part when he's letting himself get beaten up in the scrum of a club. And you can see in his face, he feels he's enjoying it. He thinks he deserves to get kicked in the nuts and whatnot because of who he is. Um, so why is it called The Boys? For me, I think it's about the issues that men bring to play when power and money goes unchecked. Mm. I think there's an interesting thing there, just to uh, diverge I've slightly. Just got two things. Oh. After you, Sam. Yeah, go on, go on, Ollie. Go on, go on, go on. Um, well, I was just going to say on the subject, like, it's interesting that you bring the to toxic masculinity thing into it because there is an amazing um, moment in there, I think, as well later on when Homelander is talking to his son and he sat there and, he, and, and his kid turns around and says, you, you cry? And he's like, yeah, of course I cry. But then he sort of like backs up and goes, but, you know, I'm a man. So it's been some considerable time since the last time I cried. And it's like that, nailed it. Absolutely bang on like it yeah, yeah. exactly i'm it glad you mentioned that indeed so I, I was just going to say um just going back to your question about the comics the scene where they're all beating up stormfront is reversed because if you didn't know stormfront is male in the comic oh. and it's the four guys mother's milk butcher frenchie and the girl the female or well, i can't remember what her name is so they, they're actually kicking his ass and they actually stick a boot up his ass as she says about the kitty <laughs> um <laughs> and secondly as well I, which i've just clicked on all of the men in the show actually have decent relationships with their other significant others while the girls really don't mave and elena don't not together anymore Starlight and her mum don't get on at all. Um, obviously, the, the female, Kimiko, she doesn't know anyone apart from her brother. While the, the men, Mother's Milk, with his kids. Mother, um, Billy Butcher, he's even nice to his aunt, loves Becca. Becca. Um, Frenchie cares about Kimiko. So it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting thing that there is elements of toxic masculinity, but the men show more care and worth than the women most of the time. Or um, yeah, there's a few <laughs> that might go against yeah, your philosophy <laughs> the there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, we, we really got to talk about the deep very soon. We've got <laughs> 11 <laughs> minutes, so I'm going to move on to maybe bigger subjects that we need to cover. Um, reputation and ethics. Huey is a hero no matter what. The deep seems to be, from my perspective, his comedic opposite. Like, the Deep will literally sell out his own mother if it means he gets to be part of the Seven again. That is his modus operandi, right? Um, Homelander seems to be Huey's dramatic opposite. Um, do you have anything to say regarding, say, foils for characters in the show in terms of how they play off each other in regards to themes? Oh. Or not? The interesting one that you mentioned earlier is is Starlight versus basically anyone but probably Queen Maeve, where there's that element of she starts out as a she's basically the Katy Perry of this story. You know, she starts out as a sort of wholesome Christian rock artist, you know, like doing like you know mass worship stuff in a sort of tasteful spangly spangly outfit, and then suddenly finds herself in a like a leotard, and then getting more and more jaded, and then. It's, I guess some of that, it's, they kind of diverge from the trope a little bit in the sense that she actually gets out. But that seems, like you said, that's the perfect kind of opposite. You've got these two people who have two very different experiences. And it's kind of nice in the way that Maeve kind of does actually come back towards the end 
and is like, okay, fine, I'll help you. You know, like redeem some kind of uh, <coughs> personal stuff there. Anyone else? <laughs> uh, I, I think there's lots of bits where they're, <clears throat> I don't know, a, a kind of overall message of, of that everyone, <coughs> the important thing is that people from opposites do come together to, to defeat the, the bigger problem or break down the bigger problem. And that's the only way that it, that, that can be done because when people are trying to focus on their own, it doesn't work. You know, they, they've got their own route is never enough. And that's the, the kind of only, not, not quite what you were saying there, but it's kind of what I picked up from the, the mixture of characters and the focus there and that they do need to do their own bit to, to get to the, the ultimate goal of all of them. Yeah. I mean, less the idea of like being defined by what you don't believe in is normally counterintuitive to sorting the problem out. If you can figure out what you can or actually agree upon, then you can move forward. Um, but yeah. <coughs> Any other like uh, conversational tidbits before we move uh, on? I thought the, um, the dialogue, I was just gonna say, I thought the dialogue between um, Stormfront and Starlight was quite interesting, um, especially when they were in the trailer and so forth, where um, essentially she had Starlight dead to rights um, and then she didn't do anything about it. And that happens quite a lot in, in the show where characters, obviously, who are superhuman, have a, a, a relatively normal character right in front of them, don't do anything about it, and let the person just carry on. And, and, and I, I don't know, and once again, back to the Batman Gambit thing, Black Noir with Butcher. Why did why would he even talk to Stanley? No, I think um, you've picked up a good point. Um, and I think it's good to address it on this show. I think this happens pretty much in every story. I think we're in a really strange time when we're so good at picking up the minutiae of something that we can, we can sometimes call that an issue or even a plot hole when it's like, you know what? We never really fought this way before the fucking internet. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I'm willing to get, I'm getting to a place now. it's like, I can let certain things go. The bad shows are where it's like, it's glaringly fucking obvious that you guys just need to say two words to each other to, to get along. Or no, you can actually sniper that guy out and it would just end so many problems for you. But I think this show is layered enough for me to kind of ignore that and it doesn't take me out of the verisimilitude. Um, Barry, uh, just quickly on that point, yeah. I, I, I think it's, it's more, the, the way I've seen it often is there, it's the arrogance of those uh, of the soups and the, the people with that power is that they're they're too arrogant to believe that someone that in their eyes is beneath them could ever do them damage, do them harm. So that's they're they're more willing to ignore someone or or just say, "Oh, get on with whatever you're doing because we can beat you in the end." Whatever, it doesn't matter. We're going to win. Sure, sure. Um, Rob, go ahead. I just wanted to pick up on again on on, on what. Simon said um, that when when Homelander let you know Butcher go um, at the end, I I mean I hadn't really thought about it so much up to that point, but when it happened, I was kind of like again, you know, like so I like I totally yeah. totally feel you, and and even so far as to, it it then goes on to you know, them, they have a lineup and Homelander's kind of saying his thing and they're zooming in on his eyes. And I, mm -hmm. thought, it, I thought it was kind of like, uh, I thought it was going to be like that, that moment in True Lies 
where he's riding along in the car and then he like smashes his face and then it kind of comes back to it actually hasn't happened. And I thought it was going to go back to Homeland and he just goes like, nope, and just like cuts Butcher and Maeve down. And then like, now, you know, yeah. that kicks off the third season. It's the world against Homelander. So that I, <laughs> I, think, I think, you know, they're holding that back because that's going to happen. Yeah, right? yeah. At some point, you know, without talking too much about comics, I mean, they, they got to at some point push Homelander before, no, beyond that line that, that he's standing at the moment where jacking off into the sky is like the limit of his madness. Beyond that line. <laughs> um, so yeah, people who decided to watch this Rampbox video without yeah. watching the show, now you really, really want to do that. But, um, <laughs> let's go into a few penultimate questions. Um, let's see. Ah, actually we'll jump into this one. Is narcissism an aspect of parental love? I'm thinking of Homelander here. Because let's, let's be honest, he doesn't love this kid. He doesn't know what love is. He is just literally thinking, my childhood was shit. Maybe I can make this person's childhood better. Not because it'd be beneficial for him, because if he did think about it, if he was being a good dad, he wouldn't take this kid who's only been hanging out with his mum out of their life so quickly without any kind of um, steps, let alone taking him to, what was it, Vought World? Yeah, it's like the Disney World of Vought. And he's just World, happy yeah having people taking his photo, you know, and, and getting selfies of him. This is not a parent. This, this, is, this is the element of, of parental, um, say, narcissism, which I think is actually something that you could actually apply outside of the show. But I wanted to know what you guys thought of it. Um, I mean, like, Homelander's whole thing is sort of like cathartic, cathartic or um, edible sort of expression, isn't it? Yeah. He, he, he seems to be, I think the interesting part of the character is the fact that like he is um, really damaged. Um, but the thing is, like, it seems like every decision he makes sometimes is based upon him trying to avoid the suffering that he's had. That, that always seems to be the thing to me is like every decision he makes seems to be, I grew up in a lab surrounded by scientists. I don't want that to happen to my son or like I was constant, like I never had a mother. I don't want that to happen to me and like all that stuff of like it's always that comes back to that thing i was you know created in a test you've been born in a laboratory i don't want that anymore like it seems to be the basis of all his decisions yeah uh, he's a former victim trying to escape it i mean if there is a department in vault that deals with psychology and he's supposed to turn up every week he hasn't been there in years <laughs> <laughs> and there's there's an interesting um just as skip into um comic book nerd territory it's um that theme of like um superman the superman trope but like how would it would actually play out has been done many many times in very varying different ways and you get like varying degrees of midlife crisis and breakdown and i, I think the one that's closest is um i think i said to you before is there's um the john michael straczynski, straczynski version of supreme power where you end up with a character who is exactly like Homelander, who was raised in a laboratory being shown videos all the time of like cartoon versions of the Cold War and stuff like that. And there's no possible way he's ever going to turn out normal, you know. Um, but then, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. But then the whole problem is you think, well, why would you do that in the first place? Like what possible reason could you have to do that to someone? You know how it's going to end up. And yet they still do it. But I guess that's plot armor, isn't it? Plot devices. But uh, yeah. Sorry. But then that could be the, the, the argument against, or people having the argument against why Superman isn't an interesting character anymore because the, 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 the farm boy, boy scout trope 
has been peddled out since you know the early the 30s and so forth and in today's society well okay we went through the 90s where people characters like wolverine and blade were everywhere and i remember becoming a lot more jaded at that point where i didn't even want to read superman comics anymore because there was no stakes it was too much of a goody goody um and i find characters like you know the batman and characters like homelander who are completely messed up um, so much more interesting to to watch, you know, they might descend into their madness or, you know, come out on top uh, uh, as well. So, yeah, I, you know, I think The Boys really does, um, you know, um, take those 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 subject matters and, and those points and, and lays them out really, really well, in my opinion. Yeah, I've got a lot to say on that. I want to hear what Beric has to say before going into that, especially in the whole Superman tangent. I'm slightly uh, intrigued with talking about that character, as I'm sure you yeah. probably realise. Beric, go for it. I was uh, just just quickly to skip back to the um, the parental side of things. I don't see that Homelander sees his son as a as a as his child. I, I think he sees him as almost like a almost like in his mind he's gone back in time and it can be reset everything can be reset through this being that is just happens to be his son whereas i think they show better sides of parenthood um through through his actual mother and uh, and almost in some way uh butcher himself kind of being this this father figure coming in who's reluctant to do so but kind of kind of is becoming what was the last thing i said to you the better choices. Don't <laughs> there's, there's a moment there i think in that episode where like i was genuinely like when you know the, the moment where you know he butcher picks up that crowbar and then he goes and you're like just don't please don't like for the love of yeah. god don't do it and then just at that moment you're like oh thank god the bad guy showed up well-known geek but in the comics he actually uses the crowbar for everything that's his mm. go-to instrument mm. um so yeah but in the comics don't they have compound v they take compound v in the comics so yeah. they are strong yeah that's what like, that is quite I, different yeah so. you're right and it's a good change because uh for people who don't mm. know in the comics they have compound v so they are kind of superhero um, powered anyway. They've got the abilities to, to really take on these people. But I think the show is much more fascinating that they have to kind of work out stratagems and they have to be a lot more like mm. sneaky and political to get things done. Um, I do think that, just to go back to your earlier point about Superman, that if Hollywood can get Captain America a do-gooder right, then there is no real excuse why they can't have elements of Superman being seen as interesting if the world around him is gray, looking at, say, a Winter Soldier as an example. Um, but I think a whole video has to be done on Superman at some point, and I will call on you all to talk about that, because there are divided elements, I'm sure, in our minds as to how to deal with that character. Um, I really want to keep going, but we have run out of time. Um, so what I'm going to do is this, if anyone wants to basically, at some later date, very soon, do a part two of this video, because there is way too much we have not yet discussed. And yet this has been a fucking joy um, to be doing this with you. Um, now, we're at a point now, if people have got to the end of this and thought it were interesting, now it's now time for you to promote whatever it is that you're doing so that people might actually want to check it out. Um, what are you all doing? What's going, who are you? Who is in this room? <laughs> Don't be shy, you can talk to man. <laughs> Ollie, you're in a band. I'm sure yeah, okay. 
I'll, I'll start off. So we've already we've already done this in private. I've already made the Alcoholics Anonymous joke. Um, yeah. So I'm Ali. I'm a by trade. I am a musician and a music producer, but I also have a background in comic books and and working in in the comic industry. And I'm a massive closet nerd. So being able to talk about this stuff online with people who understand is super weird. Because at one point I was the only geek in the village. So that's cool. Um, Simon. Oh yeah, <laughs> cheers, Ali. Um, yeah, um, I'm Simon. Um, you know, uh, I, I work within uh, the, the media industry and events industry, um, and, and Comic Con is one of those type of things that I've always wanted to organise uh, and, and run. But that might never happen again. You don't know what's going on in the world. Um, I'm not really doing anything as per se outside of my job, so I'm going to pass it on to Beric. Cheers, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm also in the. Uh, uh, entertainment and events industry so at the moment also not doing very much because uh, of the current situation that's a that's a whole different uh red box episode or something else oh yeah um, but uh yeah uh, and i'm uh not not the super uh comic geek uh possibly that some other people may have the knowledge of but definitely a, a super film geek and uh, really love the kind of brilliant way i know it's done a film as a series but the brilliant way that always kind of brings those the both worlds of, of tv and film and Put together fantastically. Uh, I'm Rob. I'm um, I'm just uh, I'm a programmer and a nerd and a sort of part-time research student. Uh, and like talking to John about <laughs> <laughs> you've talked so well. I'm gonna say <laughs> this has been fantastic. If you want to know more about Rampbox TV, which is doing a new video every Friday, please go to the description box. Um, if you go to the comments on at least one of these shares, you'll probably find the people still in this video talking about what they've talked about in this. At some point, I can see those comments in my mind already. Um, there will be another video on this topic. I'm hoping you can all join us. This has been great. Stay safe and keep watching great films. <laughs> Bye, -bye. Bye Thanks. Bye, everyone. Bye. Okay. Um, 